Chapter Four of Boy Scouts on Lost Trail by Thornton W. Burgess. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Chapter Four, Pat Malone. Immediately after evening mass, the lone wolves, for so they already designated themselves, although the matter had not been put to vote, adjourned to Woodhall's Point to await the appearance of Pat Malone. To the older members of Woodcraft Camp, Pat's history was fairly well known for in one way or another he had managed to be more or less of a factor in camp life for the last three years but none with the exception of dr miriam knew the big irish lad as did upton between the two a warm friendship had ripened and it all dated back to the day of walter's arrival at upper chain on its way to woodcraft for the first time while waiting for a train he had encountered pat a big overgrown bully badgering a crippled lad of hardly half his size then and there Walter had given Pat what the latter always referred to as the best trim in all my life, his gymnasium training and knowledge of scientific boxing more than offsetting the superior strength and weight of the young woodsman. To the surprise of the onlookers, Pat had been a good loser, and had begged Walter to teach him some of the tricks of boxing and wrestling. The chance came unexpectedly when Walter encountered Pat near Woodcraft Camp and found that he was employed as chore boy at a neighboring lumber camp, there, too, he taught Pat the meaning of the word honor as a Boy Scout knows it, and the natural rugged honesty and sense of fair play inherent in the Irish lad seized upon it with such vigor that the same summer he became a potent factor in the development of the real manhood that lay latent in Hal Harrison, the spoiled son of a multimillionaire sent to Woodcraft to keep him out of mischief. Pat had become greatly interested in Boy Scouts. Scouting appealed to all that was strongest and best in his nature the natural chivalry of his Irish blood, the love of adventure and skill in woodcraft, which were his birthright as a child of the great woods, a passion for a greater knowledge of nature and her ways, and a deep-seated admiration for the courage of true manliness. But for that chance encounter in the mill village, it is more than probable that Pat would have grown into a brawling, fighting lumberjack, a bully whose greatest ambition was to be known as the terror of the lumber camps. Though he had little guessed it, Walter had fought for far more than the protection of a crippled hunchback that summer day three years before. He had battled for another lad's manhood. At the time it had seemed nothing but a boyish scrap of no importance, save for the prestige it gave him as a tenderfoot to be treated with respect by his fellows of Woodcraft Camp. But from just such trivial things come far-reaching results, and that prompt act of chivalry on behalf of one weaker than himself had changed the whole life of another. Walter and Pat had rapidly established a regard for each other, which, after events, had cemented into a warm friendship. Walter had taught Pat what he could of scout principles and had sent him a copy of the Boy Scouts' handbook. Pat had at once organized a patrol of the boys in the lumber village, and, being a natural leader, to say nothing of his reputation as the best rough and ready fighter of his years in the woods, he had developed a body of scouts of whom he was justly proud. Dr. Merriam, always quick to see real character, no matter how deeply buried, had taken a warm interest in Pat and his efforts, and had aided him in innumerable ways. The boy's ambition, once aroused, had known no limits, and he had eagerly read everything the doctor put into his hands. Now at seventeen, Pat was a man grown in stature, a young giant capable of doing a man's work with axe and peavy and earning a man's wages 
Moreover, he was one of the best guides in the district, and his services were coming to be in much demand by fishermen and hunters. Her added to his knowledge of the woods, his Irish wit and unfailing good nature made him a great favorite. But woe to the hunter or fisherman who thought to evade the game laws when Pat was his guide, or to the pot-hunter would take unfair advantage of the game he sought. More than one had found to his sorrow that the dancing blue eyes of the red-headed young giant could harden to the glint of cold steel, and had come out of the woods empty-handed, but with a new idea of the meaning of the word honor. Something of all this Walter and Hal knew, and in a lesser degree did Spud and Plimpton, but not even Walter was aware that Pat's ambition soared beyond the foremanship of a lumber gang, or being rated as the best guide in the North Woods. That was Pat's secret and Dr. Miriam's. It was the latter who had discovered in the young woodsman passion for the study of the wild things about him, and had fostered and developed this and told him of the strange creatures in other parts of the world, until the boy had become fired with a desire to see and know them for himself and had come to realize the value of education, and to dream of school and college, and perhaps some day being a naturalist. It was no wonder, then, that the doctor had readily given his consent to the hunt for Lost Trail, when he had learned that Pat had offered to go with the boys. But being ignorant of this, and not at all certain that Pat had really meant what he had said the night before, the lone wolf sat impatiently, awaiting his coming. "'Bet you he tries to sneak into camp again and give us the grand ha-ha,' said Spud as they watched the shadows lengthen across the lake. "'That's so. Let's fool him. We'll all do guard duty and show him that he isn't the whole cheese when it comes to real scouting,' exclaimed Hal. "'All right,' agreed Walter. "'Hal, you watch from that big pine over to that old stump. Plimpton, you take from the stump to the opening of the trail to camp.' "'Spud will watch from the trail to the fallen spruce, "'and I'll cover from the spruce to the edge of the setback. "'That covers every possible way he can get out on the point. "'Now keep your eyes peeled "'and challenge at the first suspicious sound or movement. "'Perhaps he won't try it tonight, "'because he knows we're likely to be on watch after last night. "'If he does, we'll show him that we're prepared.' The boys settled themselves comfortably where each could watch his assigned territory and conversation soon died away, for eyes and ears were too much on the alert to permit of distraction. The shadows lengthened and the surrounding woods grew black. Once the scurry of a hare brought a challenge from Plimpton. The laugh at his expense had hardly died away when Spud challenged a porcupine which wandered out of the blackness on his side. Another laugh, and then silence once more with every sense keyed to the highest. Down the lake, hugging the shore, drifted a long shadow, only a shade blacker than the shadows through which it floated. There was no sound, no tell-tale ripple to catch the eyes of possible watchers. Ghost-like, it drifted to the tip of the point. Noiselessly, a huge figure detached itself and silently advanced toward the four silent figures so intently watching the edge of the forest. Spud changed his position uneasily. "'I'll bet he isn't coming tonight,' he muttered with a sigh of impatience. "'Tis a true word you be spaking me, boy, for how can he be coming when he's already come?' said a deep voice almost at his back. All four jumped. They would have been no more surprised had a thunderbolt fallen in their midst from the clear sky. "'Sure tis proud I will be after being the guide of such intelligent and watchful scouts on Law's Trail.' 
continued Pad in gentle sarcasm. What be the matter with that young stargazer? Spud, who was making an exaggerated pretense of seeking something in the heavens, turned slowly. I was looking for the balloon you dropped out of, Pat. What did you do with it? he said. Just then Walter, glancing toward the lake, saw the canoe, and in a flash he understood Pat's stratagem. You great big red-headed Irishman! I could lick you for putting one over on me that way! He shouted good-naturedly. Instantly Pat squared off. "'Come on, little bantam, come on!' he cried. "'Twas a fine lacing you gave me once, and I have not forgotten it. "'Come on now, and show the boys how you done it.' "'No, thanks,' laughed Walter, ducking a light pass from one of the young lumberman's huge fists. "'I'm quite well content to rest on my laurels.' "'But tell us, Pat, and tell us quick, "'did you mean what you said last night about going on that lost trail trip with us?' "'Sure, I meant it. "'Did you ever know Pat Malone to say anything you didn't mean?' "'was the prompt response. "'Hooray! That settles it!' yelled Spud, doing a war dance. "'Now let's get right down to business and get organized.' "'And what are yous going to organize?' demanded Pat, "'seating himself comfortably on the end of a log. "'A patrol! A regular expedition! "'You're going to be a wolf, Pat, a lone, lone wolf, "'and howl for bloody scalps on a lost trail way up in the deep, dark lonesome forest and scout eli will come to order interrupted walter and spud promptly subsided then walter as leader briefly outlined the plan and the suggestions made by dr miriam and how he had been appointed leader as pat listened his face lightened with enthusiasm tis the greatest expedition of discovery since dr cook misplaced the north pole he announced and what did you say the name of the patrol is to be "'We haven't voted on it yet,' replied Walter. "'We've been waiting for you. "'We'll put it to vote now. "'All in favor of naming this the Lone Wolf Patrol, "'please signify it by saying aye.' "'The aye that followed rolled across the lake "'and was echoed back by old Seward "'until a startled loon sought shelter in the reeds "'on the farther shore. "'Now that that's settled, "'I'll appoint each one to his special duties. "'Pat is guide with the rank of corporal. "'In other words, he is the assistant leader of the Lone Wolves.' Hal will take charge of the commissary department. Sister will be the official map-maker and historian of the expedition. Spud is... Spud is already chief sunshine-maker of his patrol and on active duty, that imperturbable youth interrupted. He is also hereby formally appointed chief cook and general assistant to everybody else, announced Walter gravely. Ah, say it ain't fair, howled Spud. "'That's putting all the dirty work on my weak and narrow shoulders.' He coughed pathetically, and his big frame shook as if racked by his efforts. "'Besides,' he added, "'I loathe dishwashing.' This was quite true, as the others were well aware. Spud was one of the best cooks in camp, and was never happier than when squatting beside a cooking fire, concocting some gastronomical treat. But if there was any way of avoiding the cleaning up afterward, Spud could be trusted to find it. Dirt and food have no possible connection in a scout camp. Therefore, Chief Cook Eli is mistaken in his deductions. However, I was about to add that Plimpton will assist him whenever his other duties will permit. Eli will now resume his duties as sunshine maker, announced Walter. Spud, who was a born mimic and impersonator, at once gave an imitation of a small boy tickled to death over a new toy, until his companions roared with laughter. 
Presently, Walter put a check to this by reminding the others that their meeting that night had a serious purpose and that time was slipping away. He told them that he appreciated the honor that had been done him by giving him the post of leader, and that in assuming the responsibility, he should do his utmost to make the expedition a success. While as leader the final decision in all matters will be mine, I want you fellows to feel that I don't for a minute consider that I know it all, he said earnestly. On all important matters I shall ask for the opinion of each one of you, and shall expect you to give it to me fully and freely, whether your views agree with mine or not. This was planned as a pleasure trip to wind up the summer vacation, but Dr. Miriam has made it into more than this. He has put it up to us to show just what kind of scouts we are, and incidentally has made it possible for us to win some honors. There's going to be no end of fun, and we are going to have the time of our lives, but instead of having this for the main object, we have a real mission to perform. Whatever happens, it is up to the lone wolves to deliver that message to the chief magistrate of some village north of the Canadian boundary, and to take it there through the woods. Dr. Miriam has made this the real purpose of the trip, largely, I guess, because he thinks there is small chance of our actually finding the other end of Lost Trail. It's one way of letting us down without having to acknowledge the trip a failure. So, the safeguarding and delivery of that message is to be the first and constant purpose to be kept in mind. My fellows, if we can do this and actually deliver it to the other end of Lost Trail, we will have really done something a whole lot bigger than merely getting through somewhere with the message. It will be a stunt to be proud of, and one that will make old woodcraft sit up and take notice. I have a hunch that we are going to succeed. Anyway, we're going to make a mighty big try. Now, we've got to get right down to brass tacks on the matter of equipment. Pat, we've been waiting all day to get your ideas on this matter. You've got some idea of what is before us, and we haven't. Of course, we know that we've got to travel light, but we don't agree as to just what that means simply because none of us have had experience on a long hike of this kind. What is your idea on the matter? My idea, is it? Pat's eyes twinkled, though in the darkness it was lost to his companions. Well, my idea is that yous will want nothing at all but the clothes on your backs. Oh, Pat, what are you giving us? Anybody would know better than that. Well, we can't get along without carrying a lot of stuff, food and blankets and guns and cooking outfits and... A whole lot of stuff, Spud ended rather lamely. No more did I say you could, Mr. Sunshine Maker, retorted Pat. What I said was that that was all yous would be wantin'. What yous will be needin' is another matter. Are you planning to live off the country, Master Leader? Walter nodded. So far as we can, he replied. You know, the open season on several kinds of game begins September 1st, and that is when we start. One thing we had been looking forward to on that main trip was the deer hunting. I thought we might get in a little on this trip. I guess all of us are crazy to have a try for Mr. Lightfoot. Then I suppose there will be a chance for some small game and perhaps for some fish. How about it? There should be no trouble at all in getting all the mate we'll be after needin', and tis glad I am that you's be doing it in true scout fashion, responded the Irish lad. That means I will want a rifle. "'Shall I take me own, or will one of yous bring one?' "'One of us bring one? "'Why, we'll each bring one as part of our personal equipment,' cried Spud. "'Do you suppose you're going to have all the fun to yourself "'just because you happen to be guide? "'One rifle for five fellows. I guess not. 
"'My son, tis not a hunting trip, but an exploring expedition you be going on, "'and twas the innocence of ye that let loose the tongue and speech,' returned the unruffled Pat. "'You will count your load by pounds at the start, and groan over it by half ounces before the end, "'for my name is not Pat Malone, and remember that a rifle is a matter of pounds and not ounces. "'Tis made to eight we will be wanting, and one gun can get it.' A warm discussion followed. Even Walter was a bit upset by Pat's stand against the general arming of the party, for he was keenly fond of the hunt and knew that the others were not less eager to enjoy the sport. However, he was too good a woodsman not to see the logic of Pat's stand. Finally a compromise was effected by which it was agreed that Pat should take his thirty thirty for deer, and Spud should carry a little twenty-two, with which he was an expert for supplying the mess with small games such as grouse, rabbits, etc., "'I suppose,' said Hal, when the matter was settled, "'that Pat will be putting the taboo on fishing-rods.' "'Tis well spoken,' assented Pat. "'What?' It was Hal's turn to howl this time, for he was an ardent fisherman, and he had been joking when he made his previous remark. "'Why, you red-headed son of trouble! My rod weighs only five ounces, and what is five ounces? Five ounces is five ounces, and when it is a fat bacon, sure tis joy in the stomach of a hungry man.' "'But when it is little strips of split bamboo, "'tis a very deuce of inconvenience and hard going, "'and a seducer of tempter of peace-loving men. "'For what would you be taking a rod? "'The fishing you do will be to fill the frying-pan "'and not for the sake of sport. "'By that same token, a stout hand-line will turn the trick "'just as neatly and save time. "'If you must have a rod, you can cut one when tis needed.' "'On this point Hal was a harder loser.' But when Walter decided the question by giving an order that all rods were to be left behind, he accepted the situation as a good scout should. It was decided that each should carry as part of his personal equipment a good handline, and such assortment of hooks and artificial baits as he pleased. With these important points settled, the matter of general supplies and personal outfits was brought up for discussion, but the warning bugle from the camp abruptly ended this, the commissary will take this matter up with Corporal Malone at the earliest opportunity and report, ordered Walter as Pat prepared to go to his canoe. Pat and Hal saluted. Now, continued Walter, let's have the lone wolf yell. Corporal Malone will give it to us first, because I guess he is the only one here who has ever heard the howl of a wolf in the woods. A minute later the echoes were startled by a howl so realistic that Hal afterward confessed it made his scalp crawl. Then the patrol repeated it as best they could and started at a trot for camp. End of chapter 4